life's gone down the drain. Your body's wrecked with pain. There's just one thing to blame. Dynamite in the brain. 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 Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Smith and I'm recording this introduction three days after we recorded the episode. And this is episode 41 of Dynamite in the Brain, the podcast that loves anime and hates fun. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, at least on the episode, if not actually right now, it's Anthony Askew. Hello. And we are joined by a special guest all the way from Them Anime Reviews, it's Bradley C. Meek. And this is an episode about Eurosite Sura and the Eurosite Sura film, Beautiful Dreamer. If you want more information about Eurosite Sura, it... If you don't know what we're talking about at any point during this show, as it's entirely possible, it's hard to summarise an almost 200-episode series and a film in uh, this in one podcast, I recommend going to Tomobiki Cho, the Eurosite Sura website, which is a fan site which has been around since the 90s. It was around when I first got into Eurosite Sura itself. Uh, you know, looking here, March 15th, 1996, it's been around. You'll find that at Furinkan, F-U-R-I-N-K-A-N dot com forward slash U-Y. It's part of a larger Rumic World fan site. Anyway, on with the show. Right, yeah, so Bradley is here to join us, as he's often threatened to do, and it's taken Anthony this long to watch enough Eurosite Sura so we can actually do a Eurosite Sura episode. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but it's it's here. Yeah. It's okay. a big one. We try and work it out. Uh, so August, September, October, November, December, oh, January, February, eight, seven months. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't even know. Like, I knew it was taking a while, but I just, I don't know. Y'all just take your time. And by the way, I'm going to try and say y'all as often as possible <laughs> in this podcast up in here. You know, I may try it as well. Americanize it. <laughs> but well, see, the thing is, I'll, I'd go like two months without watching a single episode, and then like watch a big bunch of them, and then a month off. But it's, I don't know; it's just it takes me a while to do stuff. I'm slow like that. So I decided to bite the bullet and make him watch just Beautiful Dreamer. So at least we'd have one single thing we could all talk about, and yeah. then sort of spin off talking about the series, which I've seen a big there. enough chunk of, surely. Yeah, I've seen you've seen point. you've definitely seen a decent chunk of the Mamoru Oshi stuff, and I've not seen that much of a chunk of the post Oshi stuff myself because because uh, I'm fi- working through the post Oshi stuff right now, so <laughs> I find it hard to get through because I think my taste in what I like about the original strip kind mm-hmm. of married up with what Oshi was willing to adapt. I'm not having read some interviews. I'm not sure entirely ever really likes it working on the show. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's like, well, I'll say exactly. It's the character of Ran. And you can tell that obviously he wasn't really into ad- uh, adapting many of the Ran stories because all of a sudden, once he's gone, then you get a lot of Ran stories. And uh, boy, I'm not too keen on that character. <laughs> What's wrong with Ran? What's her? A lot. <laughs> yeah, she's just a little uh, one note, I think. <laughs> I mean, and her one note is that she's an unpleasant hypocrite, so. Yes, and she's a satire of um, 
I don't know, does that... Cutesy girls. Yeah, like she's just, a uh, Kind of the coach. same cutesy girls that makes Hirosa Yatsura appealing to some people, ironically. But enough. yeah, she's supposed to be a Bariko girl, which is somebody acting younger than their age, if I remember correctly, if, from the uh, sleeve notes. The great liner notes you used to get with Hirosa Yatsura. And which I also... that. Uh, the wait, let's talk about how we came across your Satsura. Anthony, because I made him watch it. Yeah. Um, I came across it from Anime Projects uh, releasing it in the UK. But I think the reason why I started watching it is there was a Scottish band called Eurosatsura. Who I have actually heard as well. Uh, I've heard of them. Well, I'll go one step further. My brother has released a single by three members of the band who now have another band called Project Aiko. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's pretty weird. It's because it, uh, my uh, my brother's in a band called um, which band? He's in, he used to be in a band called Heartware Process, and he's now in a band called Quiet Quiet Band. They have a record label called Broken Tail Records, and they released a couple of EPs, one of which had a Project Echo song on it. That's awesome. But yeah, it has been weird sometimes when I went to see his old band at gigs. Um, <laughs> There was a guy from another band around the same time called American TV Cops, and they were there, and he said to me, I hear you used to like my band. From my it's a bit weird. It's like, yeah, I did. I bought two of your vinyls back in, I don't know, 95 or something. <laughs> Rubbing shoulders with the stars. Uh, that is the thing, yeah. Well, mm. stars. <laughs> stars is stretching it a bit. <laughs> Vinyl-only indie releases. <laughs> You'll be meeting Kanye West and Lady Gaga and just, you know. And these were in, vinyl releases were really indie when it's like a photocopied cover inside a plastic sleeve around oh. a seven-inch single. But yeah, so I'd got a Eurosatsura single Siamese and then started getting into anime properly in 95. When I, basically because my brother stopped getting Manga Mania, so I had to buy it myself to read Akira. Never forgave him for that, have you not? <laughs> That's quite right. <laughs> Here I am today doing an anime podcast. And so, yeah, so then I started buying anime. So the first couple of things I bought were the first two volumes of Tenchi Muyo. But then the next thing I bought was the first two volumes of Eurosite Sura because, hey, it's that cartoon named after the band I like. So therefore, it might be good. I like that band. They liked the cartoon enough to name their band after it. <laughs> that is no. perfectly reasonable logic. <laughs> uh, wow. Yes, so, and then I think, then so yeah, so Anime Projects went out of business and then I'd start importing the uh, American releases. And yeah, spent an awful lot of money on VHS tapes of Eurosatsura over the time. And do you still have those tapes? Uh, let me see. I think I do, yes. Now, are those the uh, BBC dubbed tapes? Uh, no, because they never came out on tape. That was only mm. for... Oh, Gordon Bennett. I, don't, I never saw it, but it wasn't... I think it was used to... It was for what BBC Three used to be. Do you ever BBC see them? Arts. Arts? I don't... I did... No, not BBC Arts. Um, hmm... It's the one with uh, Anna Friel and you fell her out of Little Britain as a tarot. 
I've always been kind of jealous that y'all got that dub, if um, that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, If only because of uh, my typical American fetish for uh, people who speak in British accents, (laughs) something a lot more uh, respectable uh, than uh, these flat Americans uh, who uh, dub the cartoons over here. Yeah, and it did have like proper actors in it as well, as opposed to Mm -hmm. people who were avoiding... uh, their union fees by putting on a pretend name. So hold on, <laughs> Matt Lucas played a tarot. Yes, that is just insane. I think there's clips of it on YouTube. If you that want. is mind blown. I'm, I'm serious. I did not know mm-hmm. that. That's crazy. I think it might be an Anna oh, Freel as well. Oh, more important question: Did they keep the tits in from the first episode? <sighs> I can't. Oh, did recall. they censor that somehow? I, I never saw it. Um, you know. Do you remember from the old Anime England forum and IRC, Anthony, the guy, a big smurf? <laughs> Not really. Are you sorry? Are you super, he, but yeah, he ripped it and put it on some sites, but I think his own site's down now. So oh, I'd love YouTube. to watch that. It, it sounds... I'm sure I've seen clips of it on YouTube. Matt Lucas. I'll check it out Eurosite. because it sounds so bad. Or does he do a good job? As a bad? No, no, it's a great dub. Yeah. Oh, oh, see, it's, you, it's just Matt Lucas in general. I just, ugh, I can't see him doing it. <laughs> I, it almost feels like a, a strange joke that you're pulling on as Brian. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's there. There's yeah. There's clips of it up. Uh, there you go. Oh, blimey, that's quite loud. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I don't not seen it that's all insane. the way through. And it went, what, this was on BBC? This is insane. I did not know this. This is like, wow. <laughs> I have to skip to the end. Let's see. Because this is an important question to me. Yurisayatsura is a show where sometimes, oh, look, a pair of tits. Just come <laughs> on on Japanese TV. Um, no shame at all. Um, I always find it interesting when uh, people get away with that mm. uh, because – other cultures that are different from mine. This is weird. And yeah, it was. But uh, um, it was nowhere near the worst at that time either. Um, yeah, there's that thing with about the teacher that I get random web hits for because I put a post about it once, and people are looking for the trying to find torrents of the live action version. Uh, <laughs> which is yeah, the entire theme of that show is basically a teacher accidentally exposing herself to children, as far as I can tell. Freaking up. <laughs> and that wingman that we're going to review when we do our superhero month, uh, the first episode of that, is basically um, by the same guy who did Zetman and Video Girl Eye, his first thing, is basically came and ride across with Eurosite except with a lot more breasts <gasps> than the first episode of Eurosite has. Shock. Tut tut. Well, there's no way the BBC allowed anything remotely breast-like. <laughs> I refuse to... I refuse to even think they had a cleavage. Did did Lum even wear a bikini for the BBC edition? Oh, there we go. BBC Choice. There we go. That's what it was. Uh, that was the old channel. I'm what year did you say? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like what, what year was all this going down? Was that uh, a lie? It, well, the people questioning that on the YouTube thing, they couldn't. They thought 2000, but it would be sometime between 98 and 2003. Wow. And, yeah, it was replaced by BBC Three and the CBBC channel. 
Ugh, God. Sorry, I missed that entire conversation because trying to uh, skip around on a YouTube video and listen to y'all talk. Just my That's all right. It was, it was uh, minor discussions about uh, the changing names of BBC channels on digital. <laughs> See, it's trivia like that that I always enjoy. So I, I completely regret. We got to start over, so you have to recreate that entire discussion. Right no, now. thanks. Do it. <laughs> or I might have to actually listen to the podcast. There you go. <gasps> Special secret messages for you. Um, <laughs> Oh, we'll but anyway, um, important journalistic investigations are over. I can now confirm that Lum's tits were on national TV in Britain. Point. <laughs> That's very shocking. I'm, I'm going to write to, well, not Greg Dyke, because he's no longer there, but I'm going to write to whoever's in charge now. Protest this. Yeah. Well, well, not... We have to remember like the early volumes of uh, Tenshi Mure with their breast exposure. Yeah, well, I don't know about the TV show, but the, they oh. were only PG because oh. it was non-sexual nudity. So you used to be able to get away with that on PG, particularly as a cartoon. Things have mm, changed. Back when ratings were sane. <laughs> well, they did get more sane in the UK because this was still around the time when nunchucks were banned. Let's oh, see. I forgot about that. Let's see how... Uh, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode for more discussion of it. <laughs> this has turned into a recap episode. <laughs> like, if someone is listening to this and they have no idea what your Sayatsura is, I'm sure they are very lost right yes, now. Yes, we should get, probably get into explaining what it is. Um, exactly. <laughs> so the first episode involves a young man called Ataru Moroboshi, and he's been picked out of all the people on Earth to fight in a battle against the daughter of an alien invader to save Earth from these invaders. And all he has to do is grab hold of her horns. And, and she has these little bitty horns, understand? These aren't big horns. They're uh, kind of cute uh, goat horns that uh, pop out of her head. Uh, uh, otherwise, she just follows the usual sci-fi convention of looking like any other sexy young lady with yeah. green hair. The uh, the old uh, Mechton role playing game always pointed this out that it's because it's no it's no fun kissing a frog, not frog <laughs> or so, yeah something like that. Basically, it's explaining why all aliens look like human beings in anime. Mm-hmm. I like that. It wouldn't be fun to have sex with them. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. So and also the these aliens are based on the uh, mythological ogres Oni. Thus, mm. the tiger print. Bikinis yes. and underwear. Uh, yes, and the tiger print bikini, and even more importantly, the tiger print go-go boots, <laughs> which I really think just brings the whole costume together and is why oh, I is. really love Lum. I mean, I'd never seen the series, and yet I knew that character design. I'd seen it a million times. It's so kind of... If you've seen any anime and kind of be on any forum, you've bound to have came across a picture of her somewhere or maybe someone in cosplay. She's pretty iconic. And so Taro is not really into this. So to, in order to try and get him motivated, his girlfriend Shinobu promises that she'll marry him if he beats Lum. And so he does this by getting a gun with a shoots out a rubber sucker on a string and pulls mm-hmm. Lum's bikini top off, and then grabs her horns as she's covering herself up, and then exclaims that he's going to get married. And then Lum takes that as a proposal to her rather than him exclaiming that Shinobu is going to marry him. And then Lum moves into his house for the rest of the series. Yeah. And he even gets a surrogate son in the form of Tin, Ugh. who is the cousin of uh, Lum. 
that has been kind of dumped on the lum uh, because the mother was way too busy uh, to deal with uh, her child. <laughs> so, uh, and he's an annoying little prick. Yes, thank you, Bradley. <laughs> he's, but he, he's a fun annoying little prick. Wow. This is different from annoying little prick, as in uh, how I've already forgotten her name, but uh, Lum's friend is an annoying little prick. Right. And yes. Most of the cast is actually the entire cast are actually very unpleasant and uh, rude people. <laughs> well, <laughs> this was um, always sunny in Philadelphia kind of style of humor before that was popular. This is what I like about Rumiko Takahashi is that she's a pretty she has a pretty misanthropic worldview of everybody because <laughs> yep. uh, this. Uh, because this is the because I think the thing, the show lots of things have copied Eurosite Zero over the years, very mm-hmm. superficially. Uh, one which gets close, I think, is Sergeant Frog, even though it doesn't have the romance aspect. It has the alien home invasion aspect and weirdos turn new weirdos turning up each week. But even that at least has and sort of teenage life is pretty messed up and it's getting even more messed up by these aliens interfering with your growing your puberty. But even that, that has like, look, here's the mum character. Everything gets better. She, when she's a single mum, she's a manga editor, and she's mm-hmm. like the most competent character. The other adult, early on adult character introduced is the butler for one of the character's girlfriends, and he's fairly competent and sensible. But in yeah. your site, Sura, you just don't have that. It's like, you're as a kid, life is horrible, and when you grow up, it's going to get even worse because your own kids are going to make your life horrible and blow <laughs> your house up on a weekly basis. <laughs> and I think you, I mean it's the same. Uh, I think Maze Naikoku, the manga, which is my favourite Takahashi thing, is pretty much like that in the comic, and it works quite well in the comic because it's nice short doses. But then the anime tries to drag out the stuff to try and make it more romantic and it's really hard to take because everybody's an idiot it's like there wouldn't be a story if the characters weren't just such complete idiots and fail to express their emotions to each other well it sounds now, very realistic may... <laughs> yeah well brian is probably going to disagree with me on this but the romance aspect is pretty important to uh, my enjoyment of your Sayatsura. Um, As misanthropic um, as it is, as cynical as it is, as much as I enjoy those aspects, it's a show with um, real heart to it. It, The the romance between Otaru and Lum, as weird as it is, um, is completely sincere, and I'm totally sucked into that when I watch the show, even when they're going on um, completely generic rom-com episodes, some of which were the best uh, episodes that Oshi did, in my opinion. Um, I'm still completely involved in this romance, and giving giving it some heart is what took it from being a great comedy to me to um, an endearing show that is one of my favorite anime ever. Well, oh, yeah. I, I'm on your side with this. I don't know what Brian's going to say, but go on, Brian. Well, I say I agree, and the reason is I think Oshi makes one important change, and I think because people sort of put a lot of the importance of Yurisatsura on the character of Lum, when mm-hmm. I think the actual most important character of Yurisatsura and sort of how it influenced and how it changed it from the comic is Megane and the Stormtroopers, you know? because they don't have a big role in the comic, and upping their role and turning him into just the most the worst the worst human being that's ever lived makes a taru seem 
<laughs> he's not horrible to Lum. When the fact any, anything Ataru can do to Lum is nowhere near as bad as Megane and just how bad he is as a character throughout the episodes. Yeah, I, I can get behind that theory. Mm. Um, also, I also think... No, keep going. Uh, yeah, and the other thing is, I'm, I was trying to do... Some, I, I mean, this is a question I asked when I was going through the episodes one by one on my blog. Is that, is he the first uh, standing character? Uh, the first otaku character in an anime? Because he's mm-hmm. clearly an otaku character. He's often clearly a standing for the people making the show. In that his interests coincide with a lot of the interests of the people making the show. Because I didn't get a chance to watch the commentary on Beautiful Dreamer again, but in the start of Beautiful Dreamer, they're making a cafe up in the, for their school festival, and it's basically mm-hmm. a Nazi-themed cafe. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also worth noting that uh, the school festival is actually a lot like a sci-fi con, and it, it seems, uh, <laughs> instead of... Um, your normal uh, school festival. People are running around in Ultraman and alien costumes, and you spot things like a Darth Vader and stand-ins for the staff on the show, um, all milling together in very crowded halls in organized chaos as uh, people yell over a loudspeaker of what you can and cannot do as people completely just do those things anyway. (laughs) It sounds like a convention. And the one thing I really remember from the commentary um, is that Oshi, well, I think, I can't remember if it's an interview or he's just coming up with stuff on his own, is that he points out that there isn't any real significant reason why it's a Nazi cafe. It's just because they like to draw all those, <laughs> those things. That's a good answer. We thought the really... costumes look neat. <laughs> well, yeah, because I've seen people discussing Jinro on Twitter, and I kind of think like Jinro is the thing that Megane would have made as anime if he never got into the anime industry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, because I think that's the that is the big difference is that Megane's there and he's not really there in the comic. There isn't that sort of character in the comic. It's just Ataru being horrible to Lum in general. Or Lum <laughs> I think that's a good observation, Taro. though. Definitely. Mm. Well said. Yeah, the uh, the stormtroopers um, are some of my favorite characters. Even though, yes, they're also probably the uh, the characters I would hate to be around for any extended period of time, but maybe that's because we would have so much in common (laughs) that uh, it's kind of like how uh, magnetic uh, forces uh, opposites uh, don't attract. (laughs) But as the series goes on, it it becomes much more clearer that Megadate is the worst of the four. I think they they sort of flesh perm out a bit in some episodes by actually giving him a girlfriend. Mm. Um, And then the other two just sort of get into various... Scrapes, but, but yeah, it's, it's episode thirteen. I think is that the one, uh, the Christmas Eve one. No, episode ten, ah, okay. which is my favorite of the bunch. That's think... one of my favorites as well. Yeah, is yeah. Gorgeous. I think that's that's the point at which it changes its tune, and I can't remember whether that is. Uh, I think that's an original rather than adapted, because I know it is. There's... It was one of the few episodes in the early run. Where they uh, the story lasted for the entire episode instead of being split into yeah. two yeah. stories. Yeah, I think there's another later one where they have them kiss, and then annoyingly later on there's an episode which is a straight adaptation where the key of the plot is that they've never kissed, and you like, I was like, because I was watching them day by yeah. day, I was like, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the whole romance thing, and that being kind of what makes it great for like Bradley, especially. 
is that when they hold hands at the end of the Christmas Eve one, I think like when the Taru and Lum hold hands, I thought, oh, this is lovely. This is so sweet. And I, I had a I had a slight tear in my eye at that point. Not only is it a hilarious episode of like the the boys trying to set up, set up on this like fake date. But that's just a really nice ending. Because uh, I'm a sucker for Christmas specials anyway. Uh, yeah, in the snow. So, yeah, uh, with yeah. that final pull, that final shot of the clock as it pulls out. And yeah, that's that's one of my favorite episodes as well. And it's completely ruined, of course, by the true ending of the series as uh, Takahashi wrote it out, which is um, as misanthropic as her comic is. Can, you know what? I don't give – clearly – Whoever is listening to this, if they've never seen Eurosayatsura, they are lost enough that even if I tell them the ending, which I'm about to do, it won't matter. This is all probably just info washing right over them. Uh, so, Anthony, uh, because I think people need to know the ending to kind of understand a lot about Ataro's – I can't pronounce names uh, – <laughs> Ataru's and Lum's relationship, it goes basically like this. Uh, the final movie, which is a straight adaptation of the comic, it has um, as its story a reenactment of that uh, contest that we talked about in the first episode where Ataru had to catch Lum. Mm-hmm. And um, there's obviously like some romantic tension in it, but how they basically resolve it is something like this. Ataru just says straight out, look, I like you, Lum, but the problem is that I like every other woman at the same time at roughly about the same level. I can't just have Lum. I have to have Lum and everybody else at the same time. <laughs> he is a free-loving, free-willing hippie with a woman who would um, shock him. <laughs> whenever he lives out his life's uh, kind of philosophy. And uh, the series, the movie ends with absolutely none of that resolved. That I, I guess the, uh, the closest thing they come is that Lum may have like a glimmer of understanding of uh, this, about this guy that she has um, spent presumably years living with. But that what even though that is, um, that is kind of a fucked up way uh, to uh, have a relationship. I think that's a funny setup that uh, kind of endeared itself to me. Mm. Oh, I think it's a lovely, strange, well, I wouldn't even call it a love-hate relationship, kind of like a, I don't know, but it's it seems to work in their situation at least. At least, well, kind of. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll have to check out the final film. As a send off, anyway. But if you look at the um, original comic, um, you'll see that Cl- Shinobu and Atari were supposed to be the main characters at the beginning. Really? Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, I don't have the volume anymore, but I'm pretty sure there's chapters where Lum doesn't appear, and it's just them dealing. I think the original, the feeling you get from reading it early on is the original plan was. It's a Taro and Shinobu having to deal with weird stuff happening in their town, of which Lum is just part of the weird stuff. Because hmm. her personality, as you see in the anime, is her personality is very different early on. She's much more vindictive and mm-hmm. nasty. Um, and, yeah, basically, Takashi gets the, <laughs> learns by that mistake. And so the Lum character in Ranma doesn't show up till much later on, until they've established... Ranma and uh, what's her face? Such a long time since I've read or can't remember what the uh, female lead in Ranma's called. Akane. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so you've got Shampoo is Lum. 
but introduced later on, and so she can keep keep the original personality that Lum had. Hmm. In trying to split it, it, up the main pair rather than be the main pair. Yeah, the the golden rule of uh, love triangles do not make the rival much more likable than the main character. <laughs> Which is definitely the case. I don't. I like Shinobu, but again, I don't. Yeah, she's a she's a Takahashi character that she continually picks the wrong man. <laughs> but then, so really, so does everybody else. Yeah, everyone's quite unlucky. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was trying to think if there's any 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 adult character because clearly you can take out all the kids as they're all fairly horrible people. I think mm. Sakura comes close, but she's got her own weird things like her gluttony and rages, and the headmaster comes close, but he's like calm to the point of derangement. Yeah, as becomes <laughs> clear in Beautiful Dreamer in his one scene. He's extremely irresponsible. Um... <laughs> as well, just uh, has absolutely no control over anything that happens. And all seems to care that he has no control. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, right. Uh, let me see. Anything else we want oh, to discuss? Oh, the cat. We... The cat clearly is the most responsible oh, adult character in the entire yes, show. Yes, that's true. Yes. Uh, his, his episode, is pretty, his introduction is pretty sad. I think that's the most saddest episode of Eurosite Sierra. Who, what, which, who's this you're talking uh, about? Katatsu Neko. Did I not give you that episode? Um, he's, the big, he's the big white cat who's sitting with the headmaster in Beautiful Dreamer when they go to his office. Oh, watching the telly or something. Uh, no, they're sitting, still, uh... they're... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, he also sometimes hangs out with Cherry. Um, in fact, I think I've seen him more with Cherry than with uh, the principal in the TV series. Yeah, but I'm not uh, sure I've I, seen I his most of the early episodes. He just gets cameos. They don't flesh him out until much later. Well, his introduction is pretty fast. It's full origin in the first episode, which really? is heart wrenching dead cat story. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading. I'm having a quick browse. Skim now. It sounds so sad. Oh, poor little guy. Oh, I've completely forgotten that. See. Uh, it's been years since I've seen kind of the Oshi run. My my experience with Yurosayatsura was I watched most of the Oshi-directed episodes and some of the ones that weren't, like, post-episode 100 episode 108, I think, was his last episode. Yes, is that the last one's those double episodes with... Um, oh, God, I can't remember her name. The girl who's in the battle armor who's never seen a man. Ben and, yeah, it's been so long, I don't remember that. Oh, Tintin? Uh, Benton, no, no, it's not Benton. Benton. It's uh, no, it's the it's the sister of the because there's the Mendow family. You've got Mendow and Ryoko, and then there's another super rich family who the son is the guy who's got the seventies sports manga eyes and plays baseball, and is also sometimes kind of a samurai. And then his sister, who in like the last two episodes that Oshi did, um, you basically learn that she's been raised completely apart from men and has never seen a man and she wears uh, plate mail armour. <laughs> and then of I course the first I man that, and then of course the first man that she sees is of course a tarot. Brilliant. <laughs> oh then I think she falls in love with her own brother as well at some point because she <laughs> she doesn't know what her brother looks like. Poor girl. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I've completely forgotten that, but I've watched most of that in a fairly 
short span of weeks, I believe, before finally having overdosed. And for the podcast, I ended up going back and picking up where I left off for the first time in a long time. And I got to say, um, I really like the post-Oshi episodes as well. It's obviously not nearly as strong, um, but some of them are seem like fairly straight adaptations of the comic. Uh, but some of the original content as well is still really good. In fact, I think your Sayatsura is actually the exception to the rule where the filler episodes will actually be much stronger uh, than the adaptations of the manga. Yeah, what they of, what they often do is they'll they'll bulk out an episode with tags on existing jokes because that's the one thing I don't like about the the post Oshi stuff is that um, the Oshi era when Ito comes on as scriptwriter and writes most of the episodes I think mm-hmm. he's I mean I don't like I mean I like his Pat Lavoe stuff I kind of like his Ghost in the Shell script but the stuff he did oh and he, Dot Hack was an absolute masterpiece. Uh, but the one thing i really like on your is that he can take a joke which was in the comic and then tag it multiple times we we just sort Mm -hmm. of uh, adding extra beats to a joke uh, which is pretty he's really good at and uh even though oftentimes they involve being a fast food shop of course i was looking at the the scenes which they didn't animate for Beautiful Dreamer as best I could on the Japanese wiki page, and most of them involve being at some sort of fast food <laughs> joint. <laughs> Not like Hoshi has got some sort of obsession. Didn't he make an entire movie about fast food as well? Uh, yeah, I think he might have made a couple, uh, possibly. And there's um, there's episodes of Eurosatsura which are entirely about fast food joints. Or yes, <laughs> some, those are some pretty good episodes as well. And I think his episodes of Pat Labor tend to in TV at least. I think one of them involves them trying to get um, a food delivery. Mm-hmm. I remember that one. Yeah, there's a lot of yeah. He's... But they're all the way out in somehow the desert near Tokyo. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just trying to find a, found that character's name. Uh, no, I don't want to read Queen's Blade reviews. I wrote uh, right. Somewhere yeah, else. it's 106. <laughs> yeah, that's the last episode he did, and it is that was close. Yeah, pretty good. Very, very good guess. Did I mention the name there? Uh, oh, yeah, it's loads of military otaku stuff appearing in that episode as well. I can't find my review for the previous episode. I've really badly tagged some of my... <laughs> Unlike you, Brian. Uh, there we go, yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the end. So, yeah, Ito and Oshi were done after 106. Then it went to... Because it was at Studio Piero... For up to that point, and they went Studio Dean after that, and they obviously had a lot more budget to play with. Hmm. Uh, which it turns out they probably shouldn't have had when the guy from Kitty Films was discovered that he was taking money from department, other departments and funneling it into the animation department. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> which is why Studio Dean's animation, which is why people complain about Studio Dean's animation. And then, particularly comparing it to what they used to do, you go, well, that's because they were spending money they weren't supposed to have, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Neuroscience so, Zero looks so much better than a lot of the other shows from around the same time. I didn't know that. Um, so, was he funneling it, you know, just because he loved the show that much? I, I, I can't find any more details than that, but, yeah, huh. he was, I think, yeah, I think it came during Ranma Half or after Ranma Half. But yeah, it was around the early 90s, sort of as the bubble burst and people actually had started having to look at 
where money was and where it had been going to. Hmm. I think he got caught out there. And so, yeah, I don't think that's why Kitty Films kind of... They did some stuff. I think the last thing they might have done was Ping Pong Club, which is definitely not animated at the same level as the later episodes of Eurosatsura. <laughs> like, how well are they animated? Because obviously I've only seen like, the early stuff in comparison to like the post-Oshi stuff. Yeah, I mean, the Oshi stuff is very well directed, but mm. you can, it's definitely got... You can definitely see that it's got a budget of its era, I think. Mm-hmm. It still looks a lot better than things like uh, Kaniku Man did from around the same yeah, time. If you watch, say, the first episode of your Sayatsura and then jump to maybe where I am, which is somewhere around episode 140, uh, the difference in budget is very, very clear. And they can sometimes just do very lavish sequences that rival some of the things I've seen in movies from around that time. So. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I never thought I would kind of like this series as much as I've ended up. Because it, it had some really slow episodes and things where there'd be characters that were introduced who I really didn't care about. But I think it's just got such a good kind of reviewability. I know fine well I'm going to go back and rewatch episodes. It's nice, easy watching. Yeah, and it's, it's good. It's damn funny. It's really good. The ones I tried to give you were sort of the introductory episodes, and I think I tried to give you most of the ones Oshi directed himself, and then a few where which I personally like a lot, or ones where I knew they got pretty nice set pieces of animation in them. I think yeah. I, I may have tried to put some deliberately trippy ones in because there are deliberately trippy. Oh yes. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably my favorite aspect of your Sayatsura is how it is everything in the kitchen sink and it works. It's a comedy. It's a romance. It can be action. It can be a mystery show. It can be trippy. It can be a little bit scary. Um, It is extremely weird through and through and everything that they try and do, they succeed at one level or another. I can't really think of them trying some new tone for the series and it just doesn't fit somehow. It all works. Yeah. It's it's okay. kind of amazing. <laughs> it is. I've got to give it credit because, as I say, I kind of – I was hit and miss with it. I was kind of – I was watching a big chunk of episodes and I was getting bored. And, and I don't know. And then all of a sudden it all clicked and it all sunk in and I, I started to appreciate it. And I know fine well I'm going to want to watch more as well as going back and watching ones I yeah. really liked. That clicking may have been Ito coming on as script writer and script supervisor. Mm-hmm. Right, well, I'm not sure where that is, but... <laughs> uh, it's sort of after... I think it comes on around uh, episode 24, possibly. Mm-hmm. I think I, know, I think his first episode is the, the, episode, the special with the uh, ninja girl in. And the little super deformed ninjas she has running around with her. But I can't remember whether I gave you that one or not. Mm, if if I've seen it, it's a blur because, as I say, I, I did like huge chunks of episodes very late at night, and then just blurs into one story. <laughs> right here, let's crack on and talk about Beautiful Dreamer. Right, oh, this it came out in 1984. There we go. Yeah, three years on. before I was born. It's, yeah, it's pretty look. much Oshi's swan song. With the franchise, and I've got a I found a, my, a copy of a magazine called Anime Fantastique, uh, which was a spin-off of Cine Fantastic in 1999. What? And you you had this stashed away? I had this stashed away because I found a stash of 
anime magazines that I packed away when I moved and hadn't unpacked for five years <laughs> the other day. So I've got a whole mm. stack of second volume VMAXs, a couple of this and some old Annie Americas that and he talks about this a bit and um yeah, I think this interview he's got, he, he apparently does not refer to Rumiko Takahashi by name at all, just referring to her as the creator. Ooh. <laughs> Is that supposed to be an insult? I'm not sure. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, so he wanted to do it to be about uh, daily lives, which is why he excised all the alien characters. From which I was very film. pleased about. Mm. I was kind of disappointed, but okay. <laughs> well, I, I actually kind of like one thing. I like Takahashi. I like almost all the work of hers that um, I've seen, and I like. And part of that is because her obsessions kind of line up with mine. Um, I like uh, traditional Japanese mythology, and she obviously loves that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like uh, weird stuff. I'm a, I'm a sucker for romance, and uh, that's one of the things she's known for. So. Uh, I was always, yeah, kind of a bit disappointed that uh, the weekly alien antics kind of dropped off in the TV series. And when I initially saw the movie, um, that was part of the reason that I didn't like Beautiful Dreamer the first time I saw it. It's because it's very, very, very different from the TV series, even if, even in the t- some of the extremes that the TV mm. series goes into. Yeah, he got this quote here. It says, It was difficult to portray a realistic daily lifestyle using the alien characters from her original story. Therefore, I chose the protagonist's friends as the main characters, which brought further opposition from her and her fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently he was getting like weekly threats Oof, from fans who were mad at the way he was adapting it. Yeah. Which is well, it's it's so much more grounded than the series. Yes, it's, it's kind of got that, which we'll not mention yet. Obviously, the story itself kind of kind of kooky and bizarre, but it's pretty grounded in, in comparison to the series. But I think are, are. I think the uh, the the because the main alien characters we're missing are basically Ran, Benton, Ray, Oyuki, Ray, and Kurama. Hmm. And it does kind of make sense within the plot that they would not be there. Because, mm-hmm. well, except, well, yeah, because Oyuki actually does show an interest in Otaru in some of her episodes. Obviously, Ran shows an interest in Otaru in that she wants to kill him. It does <laughs> yeah. upset Lum. Uh, Ray. I kind also... of got the feeling that Oyuki showed an interest in Otaru just to uh, mess with Lum. Oh, yes, because, yeah, you see later on in the ones with their flashbacks to their youth is that. Um, Ran's always mad at Lum, but it's actually often no Yuki who's actually just sort of <laughs> messing all of them around. The <laughs> um, yeah, Benton yeah, might be there. Awesome. Kuro- obviously, the Kurama isn't interested in Ataru, but her crows always seem to be interested in marrying Ataru <laughs> to her. She's got the worst hairstyle. She has the best hairstyle. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you try spotting that one. No, thank you. Uh, so, yeah, I think it generally just because the only other two girls who are there are Shinobu and Ryu and they and, well, and Sakura, and none of them are going to have anything to do with Ataro at this point in the story. Mm. You would think. I think that, that's a good choice to leave these guys out in that respect, I think, especially. I think Kurama does make a cameo later on in um, Ataro's harem, along with some Maze Naikoku characters. Mm-hmm. What, at the, at the end of the film? Uh, well, no, in yeah. the. Yeah, near the near the end when Ataru has his own dream set up. Right, right. 
I didn't actually spot her, but um, that's pretty cool, I should say. Yeah, so the film opens with an apparent apocalyptic scene. As Tom Obiki, the uh, suburban part of... Well, is this, are they supposed to be in Tokyo? It's just a general suburban area. It is, it's just, area. but it's an imaginary one yeah. that they made up. Um, is in ruins, and the school's in ruins. And, uh, yeah, so it opens up in an apocalypse. Is it um, Mendao or Megane you see at the start? Uh, Megane. He stood with, like... Because he's got, yeah, he, as it comes up much later, he's writing his own story in his head. <laughs> as we get much later on, there's a really ponderous... <laughs> the prologue of Volume 1 to Chapter 3 of <laughs> Meganace Chronicles of the crazy shit that has been happening in this movie. Yeah, he just seems to think of himself as some sort of uh, Kinshiro or Mad Max type <laughs> survivor of the apocalypse. Uh, and then we flash back to... Um, the school festival being set up and their our usual characters are setting up their classroom as this Nazi themed cafe. With a tank in the middle of the room. Yes. Uh, which they've somehow got into the centre of the room. <laughs> I love that gag that not only do they somehow get it in, but they somehow are able to bring it back in the next day. Yes. But I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> uh, now, they never show how they do it. <laughs> Did you guys have these sort of festivals where you dress your classroom up for, or is it just me who actually this actually did in, resonate? In America, with? no. This is this is uh, there is absolutely nothing like this as far as I know in America. Yeah, I've I've not experienced any. Yeah, because I, I was just wondering whether it was just my school uh, <laughs> that did this sort of thing. Because every day we'd have like a we'd have like a speech day thing where they give out prizes and. That would be in the afternoon, but in the morning you'd be setting up your classroom, and then after that there'd be some sort of school festival where. So things we used to do were like we'd set up like a mini Nazi arcade <laughs> by pre- people bringing in their uh, no Nazi yeah. cafes, but yeah, we'd have cafes and things and whacker rats and um, what like, like a summer fair kind of thing. Yeah, it's like a summer fete, but not Better in summer and indoors. Yeah, and mm. you dress the room up and stuff and. Mm, sounds pretty awesome, especially if I was a kid, and I would love it. Yeah. I would so love it. Yeah, so I don't know if it's just my school or my age, but yeah, that. I mean, because uh, I am a child of the eighties, though I wasn't as old as the characters in Eurosite Zero were. Even though it's set in Japan, there are things which do resonate with me throughout mm. the series and through this. But yeah, uh, and it happens in Azumanga Daio as well. Though, so it obviously carries on going in Japan. I've no idea where it carries on going in my old school. I've not been back since I left. <laughs> well, I did sell a, a, the very final one of these because we had like an enterprise, uh, not enterprise, a young enterprise scheme, where mm-hmm. which I assume they probably still do, where you set up, kids set up their own company for a year. Where I sold a notice board to local celebrity Jeff Capes. Who's Jeff Capes? Oh, what did he want to know? So young, he, he was a famous strong man in the eighties. Used to be on World's Strongest Man and things. <laughs> I do like World's Strongest Man, but oh god, <laughs> how much profit did you make, Brian? Were you? Uh, we did make a pretty. Well, we didn't make much profit on the notice boards, but we then we then did uh, school discos later mm. on, and they were all profit. But unfortunately, for events, you couldn't. Well, they didn't count as much towards your. Uh, Final score on the because there was like a it was like all run against each other in across the country. 
So yeah. I'm assuming this is like kind of sec, like um, secondary school. Yes, it was like Obviously, uh, this was yeah. sixth form college type thing. Yes, it's ah, school, so. that hmm. sounds awesome. But uh, it does yeah, we just embezzled all the money at the end <laughs> <laughs> because we don't do for an event and we weren't going to like get anywhere in like the uh, the uh, country competition. We just went uh, <laughs> spit all the books. Terrible. <laughs> That is awesome. <laughs> Truly preparing you for your adult life in the real world. <laughs> so how much did you go home in the kit you went? No, I can't remember, but it wasn't thousands? No, it was probably ten quid each or something. <laughs> that was a lot of money in those days. It's a lot of money now. <laughs> what is that in American money? Uh dollars maybe? Yeah, maybe then, yeah, it'd probably be about fifty. Oh, that's not bad, yeah. When you're like what? In in high yeah, school. Yeah, and divided up between yeah, and divided up between uh, oh more than ten of you, so. Oh yeah, that's decent. Hmm. Uh right, I'm back sugar to Sugar Junior. Yeah, so that's why my one written down diversion <laughs> in my notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then the thing and then Alton Mark, the teacher, turns up. And he's he's a lot shorter in this film than he is in the show. I thought I didn't even recognise him. <laughs> I, I'm deadly serious. I was thinking, who's this guy? You know, I had that problem as well the first time I saw the movie. Mm. I don't yeah. know why. Well, he's, I think he's designed a lot different. He's got different clothes on. He's they've sort of made him shorter and thinner. I think because mm-hmm. yeah. even like I think all the kids are taller than him in this. Well, I mean, it becomes pretty clear later on in the movie that I won't spoil right now that he has some amazing pecs as well. So <laughs> it beefed him up. That is true. Uh, yeah, so I know these things. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, so he shows up and tells them off, and the tank almost goes through the floor on top of the principal. And. Uh... And do they? I try to think. They get a bit of stuff foreshadowing what the film's about in sort of the dialogue. Uh, I think I missed a bit out of my summary of what I've written down here because I've just made notes of stuff which took my fancy as I was going along. Uh, yeah. So do they go? They stay the night that night, don't they? They do. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. at the start, there's like a voiceover saying it's one more day for the spring festival, and then the next day. They wake up and there's another voiceover saying one more day to the Spring Festival, and they basically do everything they just you just saw them do mm-hmm. the Again. previous day. Uh, is this where Onsen Mark gets sent home by Sakura at some point? Yep. And uh, with a bottle uh, with a giant bottle of tranquilizers because he came in looking, as the students observed, like a bundle of stress, and mm-hmm. that he had all these problems. Clearly, and uh, was sick and was sweating and crap, and so she says, "Here, have this bottle of tranquilizers." Oh, Go is home. it? Best. Well, yeah, because and... yeah, because then she thinks she's mixed them up with laxatives because <laughs> somebody needs laxatives and the hands this bottle, an identical bottle to him, and he goes, "No, these are tranquilizers." And yep. she rushes off to uh, make sure Onsen Mark hasn't done himself an injury. <laughs> And <laughs> discovers that his apartment is covered in mould. See, at him. this point, I thought this was meant to be feces sprayed around. I'm, I'm not kidding. Yeah. I was thinking, oh my god, I don't know. But obviously, I clicked straight. Like, I think I may have. In. I think I may have thought the same the first mm. time I watched it. 
but yeah, because I've seen it a few fair few times now, this time watching it through, I was like, mm-hmm. I was spotting all the things where they were obviously giving you a nod early on as to what was actually happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he has a conversation with her about what he thinks, well, well, he doesn't really know what's going on, but what he thinks might be going on. Yeah, so they decide to shut the school down for the night and send everyone home. And then you so start... Did you tell... Did you tell people what was going on yet? I'm not sure. Uh, no, we haven't, no. <gasps> okay. Well, we, did, well, well, we did say that they started up the same day. That it was, but yeah, basically they seem to be in a time. Right, and that's what Alton Mark is noticing. Yeah. That they're in a time. They're, they're, it's basically the last day before the festival every single day. And at this point in the film, I'm, I'm totally hooked because I'm kind of like, this isn't like the series. This isn't, this isn't even that funny. It's it's not trying to be funny, and, and I was like, oh, "This is this is getting good. This is getting exciting," and I was hooked at this point. Like honestly, I, I'm I was a sucker for all this kind of stuff. But go on, Brian. I'm sorry. Yeah, as they're going home, you sort of get an idea of the ghost town as they're going back. It's creepy. It's creepy. And there's lots of um, light and dark used in the animation, which is a lot like uh, well, it's a lot like some earlier episodes of Eurosite Sura. Like the sec- no, the first half of the one where he gets a job at that uh, intergalactic bathhouse, and basically there's like a dimensional portal which takes him through to another version of Tomobiki, which is empty and full of ghosts. And it's quite spooky in the first half, and then the second half is just full of Yuji Moriyama wackiness. <laughs> The the emptiness of the city also reminded me of another sequence Oshi did in the Ghost in the Shell movie, yeah. um, which was a montage of the city's some very haunting music. Yeah, and it reminded me of all of Angel's Egg. <laughs> so Angel's Egg is pretty much <laughs> take that segment of your of this film and expand it for an entire movie. Uh, I don't want to watch it because it sounds too and scary. it's so good. Yeah, it's very good. It's very... You need to see it. You need to see that, Anthony, yeah. especially if you like it. Oshi. I will check it out. It's, it's a distillation of a lot of Oshi's aesthetic with a lot less bullshit than you normally get when Oshi just kind of gets to do whatever he wants to do. <laughs> and what year is this out? Uh, mid-80s. Um, I was hoping to be 2002 for a... No. Oh, <laughs> oh, you might, yeah, you're probably going to have to find a riff of it because uh, they put it on at the Leeds International Film Festival when I went to see it and... Oh, right. <laughs> that they were, they struggled to find a copy of it to send them to put on the, at the film festival. Oh god! Uh, why is it so rare? Why? why, why? I, I don't know. I'm guessing a lack of interest, possibly. Oh, that's a shame. Hmm. Um, I mean, I saw the end. I it's one of these ones where I saw I'd seen the end of it before I saw the entire thing because it was on before something else. I went to see it at a convention. Oh, right. But then when, he, I got this, when it was like announced it was going to be on the film festival, I didn't get a chance to see it at the cinema. I was like, oh, yeah, going, travelling all the way up to Leeds to do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you'll get like a, the Jinta band, who are, which I think also appears in <sighs> other stuff I've seen of his, possibly other of your sites, and the mysterious girl who you can't see the face of wandering behind them. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, that's creepy because. Yeah, which well, because when you, it just is. <laughs> when you see the episode about uh, Ataru's mother, which is all about her, then it'll they, make more sense. Well, he does that in that as well. Ooh. It's the most memorable visual uh, from the movie for me. Yeah, 
Yeah, mm. I think it is. And th- this movie is just loaded with uh, lots of memorable uh, animation and uh, visuals. Uh, oh, yeah, I think Sakura goes to find Cherry, doesn't she? And he's not in the tent. It's just full of cats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, oh, Cherry, and... I should explain, is uh, her uncle, who's this diminutive, elderly Buddhist priest who is also a glutton and uh, hated by everybody. Pretty much everybody, oh, ha- everybody hates him. <laughs> Mainly because he's a big. It's a running gag how much everybody yeah. hates him. That's and how bad it is. That's because he sort of just insinuates them himself into people's homes and meal times mm-hmm. and mooches <laughs> off people in general. Uh, and... But he's also a very, very powerful spiritual advisor, so sometimes he comes in handy when weird shit is going down, but he's suddenly missing. He is, yes. And with Sakura, her, his niece, is a uh, Shinto priestess who is mm-hmm. dating a uh, Western occultist, but he doesn't appear in this. I think he does get mentioned. Yeah. In, in terms of bad choices for boyfriends. <laughs> um, yeah, so the characters who don't live within the um, proximity of the school and, as it turns out, the Moroboshi house, find themselves unable to actually leave the town. So you've got a couple of the stormtroopers are on the bus, just goes in a circle and drops them off back at the school. Another couple are on the train, which just does a loop straight back to the station they got on at. And uh, Mendow, who's uh, sort of the rich version of and privileged version of Ataru, basically. And Shinobu are driving around in his um, chauffeur-driven, that's the word I was looking for. Mobile, <laughs> uh, they just end up back at the school as well. Creepy. The only people who seem to have managed to get home were Lum and Ataru, so they all decide to head to Ataru's house. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Sakura takes a taxi back to the school, which is a blue turtle taxi. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah, because this uh, makes nice makes lots of references to uh, the legend of Urashima Taro, which is, if I remember correctly, I uh, unfortunately I, the way I know this He's story, basically the Japanese Rip Van Winkle. Yeah. So the story goes that uh, he helps a magical turtle in some function, and so to thank him, the magical turtle takes him to the dragon's palace. And it's a big pleasure palace where uh, the uh, Japanese Rip Van Winkle kind of spends a lot of his – he spends hundreds of years there, and he's not aware of it. He's having yeah. so much fun. And when he finally comes back to his beloved village, it's empty. That is a sad story. Yeah. Unfortunately, sad. the way I know the story is through the episodes of Gakamanga Biori, which take the wiki out of it. So it's probably better <laughs> if you do the synopsis than me. <laughs> Uh, I think that I think that it has, does come up in some of the episodes of Eurosite Sarah as well as a reference. Uh, it's a very was, good story. There was actually another episode of Eurosite uh, Yatsura that the movie that this movie is based on, and I think they also made references. Yeah, uh, to Fran Wrinkle in that one. It was kind of the prototype for the movie. Yeah, there's lots of bits and pieces where you can if, once you've watched a lot of the series. Once you watch the series again before, after you've seen this, then you can start to see where they've got various bits and pieces from. Mm-hmm. And it's a guy, yeah, the, the taxi driver is a suspicious chap. Does she confront him at this point, thinking he's a demon? She does. Yeah, she that's does. what I thought. And 
She actually keeps a uh, a little wand, a, a Buddhist priest wand, to ward off spirits hidden inside of her umbrella, like uh, how swords are hidden in umbrellas in kung fu movies. I thought that was a nice touch. And he kind of looks like this is he looks like the uh, Canadian comedian uh, Brent Butt. I thought, at least in this <laughs> income. Oh, uh, drop he's... a picture. I, I want to see a picture of this guy. If this guy looks like, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> he's a very. Are you talking about Majuki? Yeah, he's an uh... iffy character in terms of looks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've just seen a picture. I hope he's got the same kind of teeth. Those kind of like circular <laughs> teeth. I don't even know what you call that style of teeth, but I hope he's got them. Uh, no, I do like Brent, but if you get a chance, you should watch his, uh, at least this show he did called Corner Gas, which is a great sitcom. Hmm. He's got a sitcom called Hiccups as well at the moment, which isn't quite as good, but uh, sitcom Corner Gas is really, I should really, I, I, need, I keep on reading to write some Canadian sitcom posts on the Awesome Engine, just to completely change the tone of the, the blog. You've got a lot of hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so she thinks he's demon, then he just appears to be a normal... Yeah, I'm remembering which episode now because I have actually written some other notes about the episode that the character, his equivalent, is he called Miyuki in the, that episode? I can't remember. Yes, I'll look up the other character. I know I didn't mention his uh, name is some kind of a, a complicated pun. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> uh, See, since you guys have like seen him in the series, did you pick up on this straight away when you see him in the film or not? Uh, yes, because I would have seen. Yeah, because it's, it's quite early on. It's episode twenty-one. It's mm-hmm. uh, wake up to a nightmare. Uh, yeah, which is of Miyuki and the other character who we meet when we go to Moriboshi's home, Baku the pig. Which is this little pig with a copyright notice on his behind <laughs> that uh, Ten has found. Who Ten entertains in making sure that Ten does not do any of Ten-like behaviour for the entire sh- sh- film. That is so true. I didn't think of that. He is the best behaved he ever is in this movie. <laughs> no fire breathing oh, or anything of the sort. But again, nope. there, there's probably a reason for that. Um, yeah, Ooh. Baku is a pig here, where he is a tape, sort of a tapir, in the um, original episode that he appears in, and he's a real Japanese. Well, I was going to say mean, yes, yeah, because I, I based first, on real mythology. Yeah, because I first came across him in the um, Oriental Adventures Monster Manual for AD and D. <laughs> now is he a pig in that one as well? Or... No, I think he's like a ta- I think he's like a tapir type creature in that. Oh, okay. Um, what's a tapir? What's? Oh, God, you don't know Jeff Capes. You don't know tapirs. I'm sorry. You're completely destroying <laughs> my entire childhood. <laughs> I was so psyched as a kid to see a tapir at a zoo because they've got really weird faces. It's... Yeah, you a pig, or yeah. It's T A P I R. Right, let's have a. Oh, oh, they're very cute little things, aren't they? I know what you mean now. Yeah. So yeah, he kind of looks like one of those in the original episode, and the original yeah. episode is yeah, that's some weird. Um, I've got the screenshots I've got has got like him running through a surrealist, Ataru running through a surrealist pic. Surrealist picture 
the volcano smoking a pipe. <laughs> Being forced to play Ma Young with a robot and a uh, Yakuza cat. Uh, being swung from the top of a dragon by a fishing rod by Mendel, and then all the dreams are eaten up by Baku. It's uh, a very interesting animal. I'm still looking at it now. Yeah, so uh, Baku eats nightmares, and this is what he's done to Atarus. Ataru demands a good dream in return, and Muchaki mm-hmm. tries to offer Ataru dream eggs that will create specific dreams. However, each one starts off good, but soon turns into a nightmare. Hmm. And by this point, obviously listening to this show, you're going to surely be able to guess what's going on in the film. It's a dream! Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so they start but, to... but it's also kind of a mystery as well, because they have to figure out whose dream it is to be able to leave the dream. Well, as soon as I re- like the kind of, I guessed it was a dream, I knew whose dream it was straight away. Not just because... Well, are, we, are we dropping spoilers now? Oh, yeah, we're dropping... Hey, hey stop us a bit of spoilers. Well, clearly we do not care about spoilers at because this point. So. it is a um, film from the mid-80s, I think, <laughs> at this point, if you've not seen it. And the film's also out of print, so... On DVD. Yeah. Poor you, if you've not seen it. But I knew straight away it was Lum. Because I know early on she mentions how happy she like, is at this very moment in time etc. And I thought, oh, there's going to be a reason why, like, there's going to be some reason why she's been the one who was allowed to dream, which I didn't know at the time. But I, I did guess that it was her dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, they wake up the next morning, go back to school, you get some weird stuff with a taru sinking into a puddle and disappearing. Um, yeah. uh, Shinobu getting lost yeah. in psychedelic alleyways. Uh, and she's been appears to be being watched by. This is the one bit I don't quite get. Is she's being watched by somebody who looks like a tarot? Now later on we see somebody else who looks like a tarot who isn't a tarot, but I just don't know quite why. Yeah, they seem to be going somewhere with that, and uh, then dropped it. Yeah, I mean I know there was a bunch, of, but if you look on the Japanese Wikipedia, there was a bunch of scenes they didn't animate. So I don't know whether that was related to that. Well, I'm presuming mm-hmm. it must be Mujaki in this kind of false Ataru cloak. Because that's how it must be, surely. But yeah, I don't know why would he be doing that to Shinobu. Yeah, exactly. Um, and why would Ataru... Yeah, it, yeah, it feels like that's the one bit of the film which doesn't make any sense for me. Mm. Everything else seems to fit together quite nicely. Yeah. Well, I can understand maybe getting rid of Shinobu because... Obviously, Ataru likes every other girl, and that, Lum wants her for himself. Yeah, but that doesn't happen later on until Mrs. Boroboshi says how nice it is for to have Shinobu around the house. Oh, that's true. And then Lum gets jealous. And uh, Lum looks kind of jealous, yeah. It does almost feel... Yeah. Out of order, out of sync. Hmm. Yeah, and the bit with the Ataru disappearing doesn't seems a bit odd as well. Nah, I didn't Why is he that. sinking out the puddle and then reappear in the swimming pool along with the tank? Yeah, because they get back to the school and the school stuff's all messed up and nobody else has come back to school. Um, and they go and investigate the school and this is something else which crops up a lot in the show is how schools look in the dark and how spooky they appear in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I do... Um, <laughs> One thing I really like is the perspective tricks they do in that sequence when they're running mm, through yep. the skull. It is very clever. 
I think I described it before as a haunted house, but what's doing the haunting is time and perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like yeah, that's an awesome scene. That. Yeah, I kind of wish the uh, <laughs> Nolan, Christopher Nolan had seen that as well as Paprika before making yes. Inception. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would actually have been a better thing to do. That would have been like a nice bit of having dreamlike tricks without yeah, still making been... it feel fairly real. Whereas I think Inception feels a bit too real for dreams. That would have been a, a nice touch for him to do the whole... Like when Ataru's running through the corridor after himself. Yeah, everyone's he's actually just running on the spot. And everyone's looking out the windows, but the windows are all different ways up. Oh, yeah, that was so strange. That was strange. Very clever. Very clever. And, yeah, so then they run back to one of Mendel's secret hideouts where he has a Harrier jump jet. <laughs> Again, he's hidden under a fast food place. Yes, <laughs> not saying oh, she's obsessed or anything, but I think they go. Out, we I think there's at least two of them eating out scenes of the, all the characters eating out in this film. And like I said, I think there was a bunch they didn't actually animate. Uh, and they go for a ride. Important discussions happen over food. So yeah, yes, because even when they're at the house, they're all they're all eating pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and originally, isn't that where Mendo and Ataru go to get food for everyone who's staying over at the school? Uh, yeah, I think they do. Yeah, I'm sure, that's the case. Yeah, and they fly out, and they just they discover that there's only like two kilometers of, of radius. Well, yeah, four kilometers. It's two kilometers radius centered around um, the Moraboshi house, as we find out later. But they basically find out Tomobiki is now on the back of a turtle. And the pillars holding them up are the two people who have now gone missing, Cherry and Onsen Mark. And then we flip back to the apocalyptic scene. And basically, since they've discovered this, all the bits of Tom and Bicky which aren't revolving around Lum and her friends have sort of fallen into disrepair. With the help of Mendo shooting tank rounds at buildings, of course. <laughs> because Mendo's measuring the... Tom and Vicky by blowing it up. <laughs> I don't get how that works, but well, because he knows the range of the tank shells. So. Exactly. Oh yeah. Okay then. Okay. He's remarkably. Yeah, I think Mendel is a lot more responsible and smart in this film than he normally is in the actual show. <laughs> um, and then we get Megaday's amazing internal monologue of this novel he's writing in his head. As they just mm. go to fetch food, and it's like ugh, it does not take much for him to become a fascist, <laughs> as he chastises <laughs> Chibi for stealing a chocolate bar. <laughs> oh, I would love to go to that shop that just replenishes everything. <laughs> oh, it'd be too good, too good. Did, did I don't know why I didn't mention this at the start because I usually bring it up. Did you guys watch it in Japanese or English? I watched it in Japanese. I watched it in English. Hmm. So I've got nothing to really compare it to, obviously, with voices. But I did miss Ataru's voice. Because it, it's not as good as the Japanese voice. Yeah, he's pretty good. It's, it is very good. And especially... I'd... Unless it was Matt Lucas doing it, that would be... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah, I, I have to say, Eurosight Series used to be my go-to thing in terms of looking up who was starring in something. I'd like, were they ever in Eurosight Series? <laughs> And it's like, oh, Ace from One Piece. He's voiced by the same guy who did a tarot. Excellent. Oh, and uh, 
Luffy. She's he's voiced by the woman who played Ryu. It's like, excellent. Oh. Now now One Piece is my standard for that. It's like, is this person any good? Let's see if they ever voiced anybody on One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> is that your like kind of seal of approval? If anyone wants to go into voice acting, they've got to do something on One Piece. To be good. <laughs> Pretty much. I'll t- I'll keep that in mind for my well, future voice acting. One Piece does have some really good people. Particularly from the eighties and stuff, but yeah, you've got a, a obviously you've got Akira Kamiya playing Ben Dow on this, who plays played everybody in the eighties pretty much. He was always the top male voice actor award he'd get on the uh, Anime Age. I think since nineteen seventy nine, he sort of cleaned up for most of the eighties after that. Because <laughs> he was Kenshiro, and of course now he's playing little old ladies in Pew Pew. Insane, insane. Uh, I'm, I fell behind on again, but never mind. It won't right. take long to catch back up. Then we get to Sakura's plan to reveal what's going on as she invites Ataru to meet her at school. And Ataru does meet her at midnight, but Mendel's there as well, and then it reveals that this Ataru isn't actually Ataru, it's Mujaki. Shitty bugger. And the real Ataru turned up 12 hours earlier. <laughs> Which that cracked <laughs> me off. That was genius. Yeah, that's one of my uh, favourite gags. Mm. Yeah, I, I I do like that gag. Whenever it's basically the idea of people completely underestimating just how perverted and lustful yeah. the tarot is, <laughs> and how much willpower it gives him. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we get sort of Majaki's background, um, where Sakura accuses him of being responsible for various evils in the histories. I do like the fact that he goes, no, I just give them dreams. They were already <laughs> evil already. Because mm-hmm. often bad science fiction, particularly historical science fiction, would like to attribute people's evil that, yeah. to something which wasn't actually real. But um, I do like the fact. In fact, he breaks the fourth wall at that point, I think, when yeah. he makes all those accusations. As if to say, do you believe it's, it's a nice sequence. Yeah, but what, what you're saying about me. Uh, and then my, I've run out of notes, so if anyone wants to pick up what happens here, because my remaining note is Frank and Ataro exclamation mark. That gets. That's... Are we? Uh, I mean, are we going to uh, basically recap everything? Uh, well, no. If you no, if you've got any other highlights, because I think this should... is pretty good at this point, really, for a recap. Yeah, because trying point, to get people interested. Basically, they decide they realize that Lum is Lum's dream by process of elimination. Mm-hmm. And then you get uh, a sequence where, yeah, basically, Mujaki takes care of Mendel and Sakura. Uh, Taru bribes him <laughs> to have his own dream. And then you basically get the gist of the same thing you mentioned happens at the end of the series, where Taru basically explains that, yes, he loves all these other women, but his harem isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. Unless Lum's there as well. And basically, Mujaki's also falling in love with Lum, which is the as everyone does. As Pretty even much. Me, even me. I want my own lum. And then also the film basically decides, oh, we don't have enough comedy yet, so let's cram a load of comedy into the last quarter of an hour or so of the film. Well, one of my favourite bits is, you know, how Ataru gets put, put in all these different dreams, you don't know kind of which one's real and that, obviously. And then they throw this curveball, which is Ataru waking up at the start of the series, when he's trying to grab Lum's horns, 
And I was like, oh, is this some kind of alternate space? Is this, oh, and I was like, oh, what's it, what's going on here? <laughs> it and, is a dream. You're close in that respect. And, but I thought they were going to try and say, oh, it's all been a dream is what's happened in the series. Because I, I don't know. And then I was like, oh, actually, no, it's just a dream. But very clever. That was very clever. It um, threw me quite a curveball with that one. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's the response they wanted to get. Which is a, ve- a very good idea. And for me, that bit there, I was like, oh, I was like sat on the edge of my seat. And then it's, it's mm-hmm. pretty clever. It's pretty clever, that. Because I was looking to see if I could find any bad reviews of it on the IMDb to uh, quote, but no, nobody is. But I, I see a lot of good reviews and they say, oh, it's very philosophical. And I was like, is it? I mean, but at the same time, I do remember, I think when you first time you see it, it the stuff it has to say about dreams and animating dreams and mm-hmm. it, that trick of saying is, oh, has the entire series been a dream? Is cleverer on the first viewing and Later, the cleverness is how well they actually foreshadow it early on in the film. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they do an awesome job of telling this story that's very uncharacteristic of the series. It's so, I, I think it's pretty deep, but as you say, it's my first viewing. So if I watch it again, which I will, it could be very different. I'll, I'll probably... Have a different view. Yeah, also the problem is I've watched so much of the Oshi stuff and now it's like, oh, and watching the series in such a condensed fashion is kind of like, oh, now I'm just watching it to pick up, pick the various aspects that are key to his part of the series and mm-hmm. sort of how they mm-hmm. all build the, this point in this film and then it's like, okay, washing my hands of this show now. I'm going to make a loop on the third film. Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> which is basically what was happening yep. <laughs> <laughs> which was also I believe a slice of life concept where uh, Lupin has run out of stuff to steal am I right? yeah I think that's the idea and then bits of it oh Oshi you were doing slice of life before it was cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think bits of it show up in Angel's Egg don't they and then also in Pat Labour and, and then a few bits show up in the, the film they actually did make that is mm-hmm. my understanding which is uh, Gold of Babylon, which you like? Oh, really? Yes. Yes, yes. I quite liked Gold of Babylon. I was finally. Uh... I'm pleased. T- time has turned around on that. It's like people are now saying that's a good because I because it yes. came out in the UK in the uh, 90s on Western Connection with a pretty apparently bad subtitle job, um, but I liked it at the time. It was like may have been one of the earliest Lupans I'd seen. I'm not sure if I saw that before or after Cacliostro. But I'd always liked it, and then when I actually got got the internet and found out everybody else hated it, I was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> and then, obviously, the popular opinion's been that, that nobody likes season three as well. And now that seems to be turning as well. Hmm. Uh, I read uh, the posts on Anna Pages about it, but that's about the only time I've heard anything nice about uh, Pink Jacket Lupin. So, yeah, well, he wrote that because somebody else had written an article on Pink Jacket Lupin coming off the things he was writing on Red Jacket Lupin. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think I think the time time will gradually. Uh, we'll see what the like, people think of Blue Jacket Lupin anyway soon. So, see what do these? I, I get the whole different jacket colors and stuff but what do these represent what it, different times or yeah so yeah, kind of yeah so green g- green is actually two different lupans because the first few are by 
I can't remember the guy's name. The first few I really are, are probably the purest Lupin you can get, and then Miyazaki mm. takes over, and then it's a bit more like Cagliostro, and then it got cancelled, and then Red Jacket Lupin came along later in the nineties, and it's nineties, seventies, and ran for ever almost, <laughs> more <laughs> or less. And that's got that's the classic Lupin that most people like. Mm. And then in the eighties, there's the third Lupin the Third Part Three, which he has a pink. He's got pink neon pink jacket. It's Ooh. very it's very eighties. Uh, people were def- people making it were definitely watching Miami Vice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as, as they pointed out that the as Ben Ettinger pointed out on the Annie Pages article, it had no director, <laughs> which is the most amazing huh? thing. Strange. Uh, well, not a single director. No, um, it's basically had episode directors. It was largely uh, the work of subcontractors. Yeah. And the style of it varies greatly episode by episode. It's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. But at the same time... I haven't time, seen it yet, uh, but I'd, I'd like to sometime. Yeah, I saw the first seven or so episodes, I think, when somebody was fan-subbing it, and I've got... Someone's got subs in inverted commas of it now which i've got rips of but um hopefully season one does well enough discotheque i'll be getting it when it comes out because i've discovered discotheque's ebay page it's probably the cheapest place to actually get them in the uk because they'll they'll post to the uk hooray for discotheque i need to exp- explore more lupin anyway back to your site sorry um yeah so and then the film wraps up with Ataru declaring his love for Lum. Mm-hmm. Very, very nice. Very oh, and beating himself up as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> they almost kiss at the end, don't they? They do. They do. But they, they get really know. close. And then Ataru gets self-conscious. Oh, me and Ataru, one in, one in the same. <laughs> one in the same. Really? Anthony, you need to uh, elaborate on this. <laughs> really? You can't just leave that hanging. <laughs> I really don't. That's, um, that's for not even another episode. That's just not for it. That's for private Skype time. That's, uh, oh. <laughs> not that. Anthony, ask you after dark. <laughs> oh, five pound an hour. Oh. Just, yeah, just... I, I was blown away by this film. I... I t- it it did everything. I, I was shocked. It was very different, but it's different in a way that I loved. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't like the original like comedy of the series and stuff, because I do. But this this is mm-hmm. awesome. I loved this. Really did. Kept us guessing. It's it's. I don't know. No complaints. Yeah, I I really like it. I I mean, I have when I've when I've made top film lists, I put it in my top thirty films when I made a top thirty film list. It's my probably my favorite anime film yeah. ever, quite possibly. Maybe not. Oh, so not just top thirty anime films. No, just top, top 30, yeah. thirty films. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It is pretty damn good. I was very surprised really at just how good it was. Very surprised. I'd say it's probably my favorite Oshi thing as well. Though mm. I haven't seen Pat Labor, Pat Labor two for a while. So, what about that Avalon live action thing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've not seen that at all. I, was, I, I wouldn't mind checking it out because I was reading up about that. I have to check it out. But yeah, no, I, I loved it. Loved it. Good, good. 
because I was expecting, having not seen any of the other, like the OVAs or any of the other Yurisayatsu movies, I was expecting kind of like a, a feature length episode. I, I didn't know the kind of stretches it went to with the story or like, you know, I didn't know anything about it except that it was from the series and the, the same guys. But Have you seen the fourth movie, Bradley? No, I haven't, uh, but I understand that it was kind of a tribute to uh, Beautiful Dreamer. Yeah, I've not seen it either, and I understand that I've been told the same, so I probably should get it. But you can still get it in the UK. I think MVM might still have it in stock. Might be a future episode. Yeah, because of course this had a weird release (laughs) in that it was a... um, Everything else, Eurosite was Anime Ego, is that how you... That, that yes. Well, I, was, I don't know how seen, they pronounce it. But... Yeah, I've never known either. It was Anime Projects over here. They sub-licensed it. But this was from CPM instead. And the DVD, I've got the collector's edition, is pretty shoddy. I hadn't realised how <laughs> shoddy it was until I stuck it through. I put it in my upscaling DVD player and through my HDTV. And I was like, oh boy, this this is not really very good, the picture quality. <laughs> <laughs> It's like there's like a red dot which appears constantly in the side of the screen, and it's not like a. It can't be like a real marker because it appears oh, so frequently. I did notice that it's in the top right hand corner. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like from whatever. So I thought it was like a real marker, but hmm. it seems to be happening so often that I couldn't put it down <laughs> to be in that. But hmm. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the collector's edition, if you can get it, it does have the Oshi commentary, which I do. Rem- I didn't get a chance to watch it for this episode, but I do remember it being pretty good. Mm. Uh, but well, I, think I would new, like to. Ad- What's that? Sorry, I think I looked for it new, and it's over- if you want to buy it on DVD new, it's over a hundred dollars at this moment. <laughs> really? Yeah. Whoa. Second out, it's about forty dollars. Wow. Jesus, that's a lot of money. <laughs> it is. Jesus, it is good, but. Ooh. I think but I would like to advise anyone, if they plan on watching this, at least watch a couple of episodes of the series. Yeah. I think especially yeah. the first episode. That's what I wrote about this for uh, Tim Morgan's site. I suggested that if someone wants to see Beautiful Dreamer and they're not familiar with Yurisai Yatsura, they should watch the first movie, which I think does a good job of not only introducing all the characters, but... Uh, it's just kind of a good idea of what typical Eurosayatsura is like when Eurosayatsura comes close to being typical. <laughs> and then you can have a better appreciation of how it subverts all that. Yeah. And yeah. I presume you will enjoy the film if you watch it. If you've got a sense of any brain cells, you'll enjoy it. Wow. Um, so if you don't like it, you're stupid. To all the people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, have some class. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's about fair enough. Yeah, if you don't like Beautiful Dreamer, get out of here. Stop listening to this podcast, you're banned. Well, yeah, that is probably... That is kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, the first film I watched, I think that was, like, the fifth Eurosite Sura thing I bought. So I, like, I got the first four volumes, and then I bought the first film. Because for some reason, they were releasing the films quicker in the UK than they were, were the TV series. So, mm. But the only other one I've seen is the appalling sixth film in inverted commas the i think it was a tv special or something for an anniversary it is no good what's it all about what's i can't even remember i just oh, remember it being rotten darling. yeah i've heard lots of bad things about that one mm. uh, i think i've seen uh, the same with the oevs i've not seen much of those again because yeah i 
I really like the Oshi version of Eurosatsura. I think just for the, I think the tension between him and the material helps it. Hmm. Whereas the other stuff seems a bit more. I mean, it's it's more polished. It's not as well directed. Uh, but I think it's more trying to please the fans. I really think it's worth watching, Brian, but uh, I, I get what you're saying. I don't like uh, the uh, later Oshi stuff as much as I like the Oshi stuff, but it's still really solid. Absolutely worth seeing. Yeah, oh yeah, I still, I mean, yeah, it's still fine. I just, I, I just, I, it was like I, the Oshi stuff I could watch daily. It's like you like the Oshi stuff so much that it's hard to go back to something different. That is true, yeah. And, um, but yeah, it's nice to. That. There have been there's people who work on the latest stuff that I like other stuff they've done and you can see bits of it in the because mm-hmm. a lot of the Dirty Pair team worked on some of the episodes. Yeah, that that's something we didn't mention is that a lot of the staff from Yurosayatsuro would go on to make um a lot of the greats in anime, so Yeah. And this was this was pretty important in that sense as well. And some of the not so greats as well. Like uh, Agent oh. Agent Agent Ica. <laughs> but that's great, but for an entirely different reason. Yeah, because I think a lot of the yeah, so project I mean Project Aiko had a lot of the staff from USIS are working on that. Mm-hmm. And there's there's USIS cameos in Project Aiko. Oh, yeah, in the class, if you'd look in, the, I think the first shot of the full class room, there's uh, various of the girls from USIS are in it. I don't think any of the male characters, just the girls, which makes sense if you know the people from USIS who worked on Project Aiko. So do you guys have a favourite character from the series? Uh, from the series? Mm. Well, I'm going to say... Uh, it's probably... Uh, can I go on ahead? Because I know yeah, off ahead. the top of my head. Uh, Lum. I, I know that... Um, I'm aware that she's not the best character, but she's the most endearing for me. I want to be hipster and name somebody else, but I just can't. I couldn't be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say ten. Ah, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my my favorite episodes are the ones where Ataru, Ten, and Mendow are all behaving in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ataru and uh, Mendow play off of each other very, very well. Mm. Well, I, I, I don't know whether I can to say between Lum and Ataru, but because I kind of without one, it's like Batman and the Joker. Without one, there's not the other. So I'm going to say Ataru, just to be different from Bradley. But not to say Lum's bad, of course. I love Lum. I love Lum. Ataru just does so much for the show, yeah. Definitely. And it's I kind think... of sad. This is this is something like a harem series, or as Daryl Surratt has argued in Otaku USA, an anti-harem series, before harem series were popular. But uh, I think one of the core appeals is that uh, the focus of the harem, the, the male, is actually an interesting character in his own right. He is, yeah. Instead of just a stand-in. No, yeah, and, Taru's uh, hilarious. He's and also that most of the women aren't interested in him. Yes, <laughs> at all. It's the uh, anti uh, harem argument. Yeah, and the other stuff. There's other stuff which, obviously, I mentioned the stuff they mix, the they miss, which I think, like I say, I think Silent Frog gets a lot of it right, and he doesn't have even the harem element into it. Uh, but the stuff I really like in the show that you don't see in shows very often is the fact there's so many chases. So many episodes have a chase scene. 
And it's like, mm-hmm. I can't remember the last comedy anime I watched that animated a chase scene. So you got a good old-fashioned... And it was, yes. these are beautifully animated chase scenes as well. Like, they're doing this just because they want to animate some amazing stuff. Yeah, and fill, <laughs> and fill the episode with that. Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, yeah, with a 15-page one-shot story. Um, yeah, like, I mean, because this really... Because outside of... Uh, this was my first sort of anime TV show, and this sort of... I thought, oh, they'll all, they'll all be like this. They'll all be comedies like this. They'll all be <laughs> done in ones. I have this theory that uh, when people watch anime, they need to start with something that's decent. Not not bad, but not really, really good either. Because if you start with the really good stuff, you, you grow cynical pretty quick. Yeah, you'll turn into um, Paul Johnson. <laughs> um, you'll expect everything to be animated like Cyber City Away, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's a, there's a kind of a cynicism in that myself. If the goal of that is to make someone an anime fan, I mean, clearly just being an anime fan for the sake of identity is a bad thing. But anyway, we have completely meandered from our. That's okay. Well, we've, re- we've read it. But yeah, obviously, obviously, Eurosite is a big influence on the stuff I like. Is I like yes. gag shows. I like stuff which can get things done in less than a quarter of an hour. <laughs> um, chase scenes, chase scenes. But yeah, um, um, yeah. So, I, now that I think about it, I don't think I've heard you cover an anime with a large and expansive story. Are you not a big fan of serial storytelling in anime? Did you miss my <laughs> my tweets from a few years ago, which were declaring war on narrative? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, follow you several years ago. <laughs> That was the joke, though, and I stepped all over it. <laughs> but, uh, Is this yeah. some uh, bad blood coming out here? No, I mean, uh, I, I'm, no. The, the stuff I like is... He is perfectly okay to be wrong, okay? <laughs> it happens. All I said was Legend of Galactic Heroes would be much better if it was three minutes and all the characters were cats. <laughs> <laughs> you are... Uh, it is your right to be uh, wrong, uh, I'll just leave it at that. No, I, I mean I like. I mean, no, my argument is normally say this is the this is the provocative argument I like I've made in the past and I quite like to make is yeah. I, I do like Legend of Galactic Heroes as a science fiction show, as mm-hmm. a cartoon, it's no good, no good at all. Yeah, those are fighting words. Them's fighting words. Actually, I haven't seen Legend of the Galactic Heroes, so I don't know. And there's a lot of stuff like that where you can say, oh, it's perfectly fine as a fantasy show or a science fiction show but if i'm watching a cartoon i want something which does stuff cartoons do i mean and that's not limited to anime that's most tv animation has that problem Mm, i disagree with that i've heard that argument before for a lot of things that uh anime needs to be something that can only be realized in anime I think that – I've heard this for animation as well, actually. And I think that animation can bring something to the table even on something that could clearly work as a uh, as a live action thing uh, because it's a matter of colors. It's a matter of tone. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, 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 that's not, what, that's not what I'm getting at. I'm getting at oh. things like uh, crowd scenes. Crowd scenes are really easy to do in live action. Mm-hmm. They're a pain in the ass in animation, as you, if, you watch any, <laughs> if you watch any Simpsons commentary where they have an animator on. They're cl- I've seen a lot of 
comedies that just kind of said fuck it and made all the uh, people in the crowd just black outlines. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's like when you're adapting something or the writer's not somebody who gets animation, they'll put in, they'll write stuff which doesn't really work in animation. It's not necessarily, it's sort of more like the construction of the story rather than the actual story itself. And that's why I have a lot of problems with um, particularly visual novel stuff because A, the stuff they're adapting is basically a pile of text with some very weak character designs which were never designed to move. Mm. Uh, <laughs> which is why. I mean, I see your point. I, I disagree. Um, I just disagree. I think uh, actually me and a lot of other anime fans uh, would tell you that uh, narration is one of the reasons that uh, people become anime fans. Even if it keeps breaking our hearts with shitty endings over and over again, <laughs> we still hold out hope. <laughs> I admit, I like a good narrative. The, the, the few and far between, but I, I like a good one. I, I, one, I guess one show that I would uh, point to as saying that it's best realized as animation couldn't really work anywhere else would be uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Oh, I've well, seen like 75%. I love that. Except it was realised somewhere else. It was realised as a comic. As a comic, yes, yes. Well, I mean... <laughs> and I'd say... you could, I mean, I've not seen that, but they put that... Even comics have problems, and this is from somebody right. who's watched far too much One Piece, is that sometimes the composition of an image in a comic won't necessarily translate to the same shape of a TV screen. Mm. Yeah, um... I mean, I get what you're saying, and I sounded like a fool there earlier, but I was trying to specifically just limit it just to film, even though, I, I honestly, I haven't read uh, the comic of One Piece or uh, Full Metal Alchemist, so maybe it works better there. But I can't see a live-action Full Metal Alchemist working as well um, as it does uh, as a cartoon, if only because it's easier to uh, kind of suspend. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that, that's not the point. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying I don't like stuff, which... In, which comes from a comic or even comes from a novel because I really like Bacano and <laughs> do rah 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 but I'm just saying in an ideal world <clears throat> the things I dig the most tend to be stuff which is was originally designed to be a cartoon hmm. before everything else and say so, Yusai Sura obviously was a comic but the thing like I say the thing I, I think there's the friction between Oshi and the material really mm-hmm. adds something to it because a lot of the bands I like I've liked in the past, they sort of get rid of the member who was annoying the rest of the band, and then all of a sudden the music becomes really dull and uninteresting. Queens of the Stone Age. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that that kind of happens to Euro Science Hero, but even though it has some great animation and even some great scripts, but it's just not, it's just that little thing missing mm. for those later episodes. So... Uh... I actually, I guess I don't have a problem with uh, what you're saying, but um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I have to just phrase it in a provocative way to annoy people. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I do that sometimes too, so. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. That was. Well, yeah. Anything that was else you want to add to Eurosite Zero or Beautiful Dream before we wrap up? Because I think we've got enough for an episode here. Oh, more than enough. Um. It's Yurusei Atsura um, has been for years, probably will be for a long time, one of my very favorite anime series, and it's something I can keep going back to. I can rewatch episodes 
um, and enjoy them just as much, if not more so, the first time. And uh, that also holds true for uh, Beautiful Dreamer. Yeah. I think it's uh, one of the, it's probably the single most rewarding comedy from anime that um, I've ever seen. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree there. I'd, I'd be hard pressed to find a comedy I like more. Even Panty Stocking does not come close. No. <laughs> though, even though, though that is technically much more closer to what I want from a cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> a cartoon that looks absolutely nothing like anime? <laughs> oh, it does. It's the way it looks like a cartoon. That's what it, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> what's, I was what's... trying to make a joke here. I was being provocative, so you might know uh... something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so any anything you want to say, Anthony? Um, I may have joined this little party late with USA Atsura, but I'm pleased to be finally on it, because I've, I've, I've found a gem with this one. I didn't think I would like it as much as I have done, so I would recommend everyone to, to at least watch a couple of episodes. It'll not hurt. Yeah, I mean, you can still find the DVDs kicking around. Um Fairly, uh, fairly cheap price, and the early ones, I think, are cheaper than the more recent ones, probably because they had a much bigger print run. And I would also, this is a plea out to those con girls. I would also like to see some lum cosplayers this year. Oh, I've got some provocative photos for you, Anthony. <laughs> I don't want them. When when we're doing the Anthony After Dark yeah, special. Just, just don't get Anthony to send any of his provocative photos to you. <laughs> You've never <laughs> seen the one. <laughs> Which is, that's all I'm saying about it. That's all I'm saying. But oh. no, I, I would personally like to see some lum love for whatever cons he's going to this year. I mean, it's just... I know it's quite revealing, but I'm not, I'm not saying it in a pervy way. I just think she's a good character, so get out those tiger prints and she has get fantastic cut. tits too. I mean, I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> right, anything you want to plug, Bradley? Your blog, um, your other site you write for. Oh, them anime? Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you that um, kind of in the last month or so, uh, them has gotten several fantastic new reviewers. So we are doing updates like once I can't speak, but we're doing a lot of updates recently for a lot of anime from new stuff to the obscure stuff and so on and so forth. So uh, lots of stuff to check out if you're a fan of anime and uh, enjoy reviews. Check that out, themanime.org. Uh, Good stuff. Twitter? Uh, Bradley C. Meek. What does the C stand for? Uh, Curtis, it's my middle name. See, I've got a C middle name as well. Clive. Anthony Clive. <laughs> Not as exciting as Curtis. Anything you want to plug, Anthony? Has this mysterious video surfaced yet? No, it's, it's uh, still not quite yet. So people are going to start thinking this video is not real. <laughs> it's, a, it's like a beautiful dream, but it is real. Oh, it should your, be out. Your voice acting. Oh, oh God, yes. Your voice acting. Well, don't, you don't hype it up. He's the new um, Captain. <laughs> um, oh, God, I can't even remember. Well, I'll tell you what. I am also on Twitter. I'll start with that while I find the name of this game. <clears throat> um, Twitter, I am Ant Askew, A-N-T-A-S-K-E-W. Um, if you come to KitaCon in the April, I'm going to do some events with Brian, which he'll, he'll, I'll let him mention. Um 
What else? What else? Uh, YouTube, TSCNG808, Sang808 on YouTube. Check them out. I've got some AMVs there and, and a video that... Actually, no, the video... Oh, forget that. Um, this game, I did some voice acting on an independent game that will be mm. going to... Oh, there's some game show it's going to. And the, the game is called Empty Inside. I'll get Brian to pop a link in the thing. That I've... sounds so depressing. <laughs> it is That's quite like depressing. so high school angst, actually. I, uh, wow. <laughs> it's a very depressing game, but it's got my voice, and I have been praised over and over again for my voice acting skills. Mm. So, Matt Lucas, eat your heart out. You're really love this anime sketch I've written for the end of the episode. Is there really a sketch? No, Is there's really not. A sketch? <laughs> Oh dear, you're so easy to fool. I hope. I was holding out hope ever since you like casually mentioned that on Twitter. I have I actually. Just... I do have some things for you to read, Bradley. Oh no! Uh, we'll do it after the show. Okay. Oh yes, oh, I forgot about that. But anyway, Brian, I'm sure you're plugging something. Oh yeah, so you can find my website is awesome-engine.com, or just type in awesome engine into Google. It'll show Fantastic up. Fantastic anime blog. When cool, I write cool. it, um, yeah, around to it. You mustn't have read yeah. mine, Bradley. Now that's an anime book. I didn't even know it exists. You have failed as a plugger. <laughs> Good. He Nobody stopped. Needs to he know stopped it. plugging it after a couple of weeks because he hasn't. I think he stopped <laughs> writing on it after a couple of weeks. Uh, I've got something coming up. Hopefully, another po- another 1990s TV anime post about a sports anime with really bad design choices, where they decide to make it look like a world masterpiece theatre, but without the budget. <laughs> This is my quest to prove that early 1990s anime was no good, particularly if it was on TV, and that's why we saw none of it. <laughs> uh, and also you can find this very podcast at dynamiteinthebrain.com. And I'm on Twitter at awesome underscore engine. And I'm at Kitacon doing two events. The first event is Saturday afternoon, the very last thing in whichever panel room it's in. Panel room one, I think. And it was called Anison Armageddon, where me, Anthony, Leon, and if we can persuade him, Gary, will be reviewing a bunch of songs based on a particular theme. And if you've been reading my website, you probably guess what that theme will be. But it's a secret. Don't tell anybody. And uh, in the you're the guy. Uh, oh no, no. I, well, that might that panel might show up depending on if they need any more panel slots filled. I have said I'll bring my panels from. Icon with me on the laptop, so he's a panel More machine. Need to know about Gonagai. That is true. Preach the gospel about Gonagai. To well, get, people, people complained I didn't include Starfleet in the last one. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then this Saturday evening, I shall be doing Manstravaganza Six. I've now found all my clips, so I shall be putting that together over the next week or so. See, Bradley is so missing out on English cons. <laughs> I'm missing yeah. out on cons, period, but that's just because I don't like people. Missing out on all <laughs> the alcohol and... Shenanigans I do like that alcohol. I get up to. <laughs> Not just me, there's other people as well, but shenanigans galore. And that's pretty much it. I think I've got anything else to plug. Oh, I have a blog that I occasionally update. Go to uh, thosedamncartoons.wordpress.com uh, oh. where I talk about the stuff that I don't have room to talk about on my Twitter feed. And uh, sometimes you can find me 
just meandering around on other websites and uh, leeching off of their hit numbers to get my name out. So, <laughs> because I'm shameless. <laughs> I used to do that. I just don't have the time anymore. Um, what, how do, how, what do you mean? What did you just do? Well, the thing is, if you comment on other people's blogs, then people um, might go, oh, that guy seems to know what he's exactly. talking about. I'll go and click on that link. Or... Or if you'd be really hateful, oh, that guy's a right dick, let's see what he's doing. Yeah, or, oh, that's, well, that's, that's the reason good. that I checked out his blog, because he commented on a wet article I did for uh, Tim Morgan about Beautiful Dreamer, funnily enough, so it works. <laughs> it does, yes, I used to do it for comic sites, which is why I have, <laughs> I'm mainly followed by comics readers for a while, rather than actually anime or manga sites, because I barely read any anime or manga sites. Sorry, people. Mm. Um... It's well, the there's not a lot of good ones out there. That's the truth. And that's it for plugging. So that's it. It's a wrap. Yeah. Goodbye. We've now talked about things we were not going to record. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> wow. Your life's gone down the drain. Your body's wrecked with pain. There's just one thing to blame. Dynamite in the brain. Dynamite in the brain. Dynamite in the brain. Dynamite in the brain. Oh my goodness, were we really recording for almost three hours? No.